Today we're going to observe and honor Christ's command to observe the Lord's Supper in our assembly and our gathered church time this morning. Now, this is one of two ordinances, one of only two ordinances that Christ actually directs the church to do to actually carry out. The other is the ordinance of baptism. Now, as we do it today, the Bible gives us its purpose. And so we want to be very clear in its purpose right off the bat this morning, and that is to remember the death of Christ. That's why we do it. That's the purpose, to remember the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible also tells us we are to do so in reverence. We're not to do it apathetically. We're not to do it flippantly. The Bible tells us that we are to examine ourselves in this process. The Bible says we are to test ourselves in this process. Have we got any unconfessed sin that cannot stand? Have we any unforgiveness in our hearts? Are we distracted by the things that are going on in our lives, the things that are going on in the world? Are we ready to come to the Lord's table? And so we are to examine ourselves. We are to test ourselves and to see if Christ is the focus. I'm going to read this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 34. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. For when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, Wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let them eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. So we begin our service this morning, our time together this morning. Uh, we're going to start off with a time to pray as individuals, a time to pray uh, with, with yourself before God, uh, asking Him to search your heart, asking Him to prepare you for this time. After a few moments of silence, I will lead us in a word of prayer. So there's a time now to pray personally. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come this morning. We are thankful for you. So we come and we worship you. We praise you. You are our creator, God. You are our sustainer in Christ. You are our hope and our savior. So we come this morning. We gather and we worship you. We know every, every good thing is from you. We see your graciousness shown to us, your kindness shown to us. And so we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Lord, I pray as we prepare for this time that we would search our hearts, holding it to the standard of your plumb line, your word. That, that we would seek and be wise and seek the forgiveness of our sin freely offered in Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would come and we would stand before you wearing your righteousness. Not, not anything that we can do, but again, 
with our sin confessed, wearing your robe of righteousness, perfect before you. And then I pray, Lord, that you would fix our eyes upon Christ, that you would set our hearts in tune with the things and the word and the person of Christ. And I pray, Lord, as we observe this event, as we remember your death, that you are honored, that you are pleased, and that you're glorified. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask if you'll stand as we sing How Great Thou Art.
You may be seated. Our focus in this event is Jesus. We come and the Bible tells us, instructs us to remember his death, but as we remember his death, we remember who he is. We see who he is, we see what he's done. He is our creator, the creator of all things. He is God himself. He is the lamb who comes to take away the sin of the world. He is our lamb, he is my lamb. He is the sacrifice for all of our guilt, for all of our shame. We remember as we go through this event that he is our greatest need. He is the only one that can save us, our only one and only savior. We remember he's not only the lamb today, but he's also the Lord. He's the ruler of all. He's the king of all kings. As we come to this event, we also remember he's the promise of God. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the one promised of old. We also remember he is the word of God. He is the revelation of God. If we know God, we're going to know Jesus. If we've seen Jesus, then we've seen the Father. We also remember he's the only one that can be called faithful and true. So we come and we observe this event. We also remember just as he came once, as sure as there was a death burial and as a resurrection, just as he came in that event, there's also a time when he is coming again. Praise the Lord for that. So as we observe this command this morning, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Listen, that's why we're here. That is our purpose today. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, let us lay aside every encumbrance. It means every weight. Let us lay aside the weight. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of of God. There's many of us today need to set down our ways, set down our encumbrance, and pick our eyes up to Jesus, the Savior of the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 says, Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, he is God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. The Bible says, even death on a cross. That is our Savior. That is his work. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. How do we know he loves us? Here's the extent of his love. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, today in this observance, it is the story of Jesus that we are listening for. And in this observance, it is the Savior Jesus that we exalt. I'm going to ask if you'll stand as we sing, Tell Me the Story of Jesus.
seated. Jesus says in doing this we are to remember his death. That word literally translates to bring back to mind. We as humans have a a tendency to forget, to move on, to put our eyes on other things. This word actually means to bring back into view. And so whatever we're doing in life, whatever we've put before us, we are to bring back into view the death of our Savior, Jesus. We were not there that day. I'll tell you our sin was, but we were not there that day. But we do have his word. And so I'm going to go to John chapter 19, and I'm going to read the account of his death. Here's here's what God's word says. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate had heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for Passover. It was the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So then he handed him over to be crucified. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It is written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified, was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier, and also the tunic. Now, The tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour the disciple took her into his own household. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. 
a jar full of sour wine was standing nearby there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross of the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other man who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you also may believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again another scripture says, And they looked upon him whom they have pierced. And these things, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one yet had been laid. Therefore, because of this Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. I'm going to ask if you'll stand as we sing, Jesus paid it all. Child. 
Those who are to serve, please come forward. Just a moment, they're going to usher you by the front here. If there's any here that are not comfortable, make it, the usher will make their way around. If you'll raise your hand, they'll serve you where you're at. We're going to ask if you can, if you'll make your way here.
The Bible says, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Robbie, would you lead us in a word of prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, dear Lord, we come to you this morning. We come to worship and praise you, but we come to also be obedient, dear Lord. We want to always remember the sacrifices Jesus made for us, his death, his burial, burial, but most important, dear Lord, his victory over death and his resurrection and his defeat of sins. God, we love you so much. May we never forget what you did for us. So we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them. Gary, would you leave some word of prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we're just grateful to you and all you've done for us. Uh, we're just thankful for your dying on this cross to forgive us of our sins. Father, we just uh, take this drink now to commemorate the blood you shed on the cross. And we're just thankful for all your uh, forgiveness and for saving us from our sins. And we love you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Drink, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus concluded by saying, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine until the day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. That is a promise that points to a greater reality. Our story doesn't end in Jesus' death. It actually begins there. The Bible tells us that Jesus died. He died for sin and he died for sinners. The Bible tells us he actually paid that price. He was pulled off of the cross. He was placed in a tomb wrapped in grave clothes. The Bible says... A stone was rolled in front of that borrowed grave. But the Bible also tells us that there was a day, three days later, on the first day of the week, when some women made their way to the graveyard, that the testimony of the angel is, He is not here, for He has risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And so I want to tell you our hope today, our future today, our anchor today is the fact that Jesus Christ lives today. Our Savior lives.
if you'll keep standing. That was the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our hope. He has died for sin, paid the price. It is finished in him. He stands now as our risen, resurrected Savior. We're going to close every one of our services with a time of invitation, a time to respond to the truth of God's word. I want to tell you, God's grace is offered to you today. His salvation is offered to you today. If you'll receive him in faith, he'll forgive you of your sins, save you today. That's the testimony of scripture. So we're going to have a time of response, a time to respond to God's truth. Listen, if you're here today and God has spoken to you, maybe maybe it's in the events of life, maybe it was in this message, some other message, maybe the word of a friend, but you've come to the point to say, I trust Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And today I want to profess that. We're going to have a time of response. We're going to sing. You come to the front. We'll make that public. If you have questions, you come today. Let's settle that today. Maybe you're here today and you see this ordinance of the church and you say, you know what? I want to follow believers' baptism. And so you come, and we'll set a date, and it'll be a great day of celebration as well. Maybe you're looking for a church home, and you've prayed about it, and you believe God has led you here. You come, and together we'll celebrate Jesus, uphold his truth, preach his gospel until he comes again. As we stand, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we'll have our time of invitation. Lord, we're thankful for good news today. We're thankful for hope that endures today. We're thankful for an anchor that has not moved not one bit today. We're thankful for Jesus. Lord, I pray for some that do not know you. I pray that in the hearing of the good news of a risen Savior, that today they might trust you. Today they might turn to you, and today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that you would work, that you would remove any hindrance to their hearing. Lord, I pray for those that are, that are here considering other things, maybe going through other hard times, trials, t- troubles, Lord, I pray that we would be renewed in our hope today in Jesus. Lord, we just come and ask that you move in this time of invitation. We tell you we love you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God's spoken to you. You step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here.